Welcome to the Author Grow Begin podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Ross. <laughs> and I'm the guest. Oh, the, hey, the guest. Henceforth referred to as the guest. I am the guest. I am Derek Powell, and I am the guest. And that and that'll work for tonight. So uh, as always, we're socially distanced. Ross is on the East Coast. I'm in the Midwest. Derek is on the West Coast. At his mechanic. <laughs> yes. Yes. Why are I you mean, back at the mechanic? I, I mean, I live here. You guys, I have an all road, so of course I'm always here. Um, his his bread and butter are Audis and Land Rovers. So, you know. So he has a uh, guaranteed income for the foreseeable future, at least. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but um, but no, it's uh, it, the the all road itself mechanically is is fine. It's it's sound, uh, but I I just because it's running so well, I decided to give it the gift of a fresh uh, front clip paint job because after you know uh, 12 years of um, driving everywhere it was really chipped and uh, and the clear coat was peeling and so I thought well I'm gonna get it repainted so um, I went to a shop that had been recommended to me and uh, they seemed on the up and up and they uh, called me and said, hey, it's ready. So I went to pick it up. And, um, and the, the, the front fender was a different color than the, uh, than, than the, 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 the door, which had not been painted. And, oh, my uh, God. So wow. the, the door the first was time seeing original. It. And then the front was, I don't know, periwinkle. <laughs> But uh, but as you can tell, they are nowhere near the same color. And the um, oh. the, the the service rep was tried to tell me that it was just a trick of the sunlight. Ah yes, <laughs> the sunlight magically just changes the tint and the color of the paint between you know two pieces of similar metal that are off by you know half inch. Yep, yep. And uh, if you click on that next one, you can see that there was also condensation in the headlight. Um, and then one side of the hood uh, had a seam very tight. And then on the other side was a Tesla Model 3 sized gap. Oh, nice. So, Put a phone between We're it. not just talking like, oh, wow, the color's off. We're also talking about just this haphazard reassembly. And so I had actually ridden my bike to the paint shop and I took a look at that. I listened to the excuses. I put my helmet back on and I rode away, um, but not before saying, I'm not going to pick this up until it's perfect. So um, I'm looking at it right now and uh, it looks pretty darn good. It's not perfect, um, but it's now all one color and the hood is aligned. The headlight still has some condensation in it, but actually losses. Yeah. At that point, I mean, a job like that, like for the, Listeners who aren't seeing pictures, um, the door is blue and the front fender looked purple, at least on my computer. So it, it you know, it's not, just a trick. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's a trick of the light. That's such horseshit. It's not uh, like if anything, like the lighting was consistent between the two of them. Like clearly, oh, sorry. Anyway, but other than that, the hour road's great. The all-road is great. It has two new catalytic converters. 
um, and again, my mechanic was like, dude, when the car gets this old with this many miles and it needs catalytic converters, especially in California, people just get rid of the car. Why did you not get rid of the yeah. car? I said, well, <laughs> what would I get? What would I get? A lower mileage all road. Okay. <laughs> this I am issuing a challenge to to you and to Chris and to the listeners of this podcast. If you can find me a 2004 or 2005 Audi all road 4.2, not the 27, 4.2 uh, with five digits on the odometer, uh, please let me know. Noted for my casual, regular all-road searches. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> you're playing into Ross's uh, hand right now because Ross is selling his GX and trying to figure out what to replace yeah. it with. So he is very much in the mindset of what are the parameters of my search? So where you have you've uh, issued a model-specific, even year-specific. Mileage-specific. Specific. Yeah. Mile, like yeah. you went with way more detail. Yep. He's like, it's got to tow this much. It's got to have hopefully this much payload and fit this. And so Ross's yeah, search maybe. has been a little more. Maybe. Yeah. We'll yeah. say everything will baby. You'll be fine. Is the 4.2. Did you sell your GX or are you kind of like just floating it out there to see what kind of nibbles you get? So it is currently for sale. Okay. It's, it's out there for sale. Um, if it doesn't sell on the forums or Facebook marketplace, it'll go on cars and bids probably sometime later this month. The question is really what replaces it because it was a long and uh, I don't know, roller coaster s ride to get to the GX. Um, you know, three forerunners, uh, Dan Edmonds, old Jeep Wrangler, you know, there were there were a couple of Miatas in there, and you know, it was just a very roundabout uh, landing point. So, you know, start thinking about things, and it's like, okay, so if I get a truck, it's got to be able to do truck things, but trucks aren't good to drive ninety nine percent of the time. So I borrowed a Honda Ridgeline, and it's sitting out front right now. Um, thank you, Honda, for giving me a Ridgeline for two weeks, which is apparently not two weeks not a normal loan. So thank you to them. Um, and I promptly loaded a 1000 pound quad in the bed and watched the tailgate sag well past where it's happy. Um, so the ridgeline is out and that's the only pickup that's actually good to drive that I can afford. So now I'm back to, you know, like, all right, what about just a wagon or an SUV or something that doesn't suck to spend every day living with, you know? Um, I came across a beautiful RS4, which is something resembling the same engine as the all-road. <laughs> oh my God, putting the quad in that would just put it on its bump stops. Yeah. So my, uh, my favorite part of it is there is a plan in place, Derek, but Ross doesn't want to share it yet, just in case somebody then beats him to the plan. Wait, there is a, uh, uh, there's a plan in place? My... There we we think we have card. a plan for moving forward yes yeah there's there's a wild card out there that i mean i, mean, could... I know what i would recommend but hit me um but i don't know what the so let's 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 set aside price range and you know all all sorts of reality um i could see you in like a Bentley uh defender 90 
Um, in a heartbeat. What's that? In a, I would do that in a heartbeat. Have you driven the V8 90? I've, I've driven every, yeah, I've driven every permutation of the Defender. The best. It's just the best. I mean, like, the, the thing is like, so I have, I have an issue with every engine um, or I have a, I have a, an observation on every engine, you know, the four cylinder is great. Um, but, it, you know, it sounds like a four cylinder. The inline six has the power. Um, it, it has, it has tremendous power, but they still haven't figured out the, 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 the handoff between the super and the turbocharger. Mm -hmm. So when you are driving it off road, you will get a surge um, as you let off the gas of just a little bit of extra boost and it puts you farther than you want to be um, on the trail. Volvos uh, do that as well on the Volvos? street. Yeah, on the street. I've experienced that. The handoff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the the inline six is great for towing, but it also gets like 12 miles per gallon. So yeah, that's it's a... <laughs> V8 gas mileage. <laughs> and then the V8 is just stupid. Like I, I all the right ways. I love the V8, but a Defender with 22s is just that's that's heresy. Like, why do you have why do you have this phenomenal off-road vehicle with 22-inch wheels? Mm -hmm. uh, the ideal spec for me doesn't come to the states. That would be a D90 with the diesel. Yep. Um, Steelies. Yeah. Land Rover. If you're listening, even though I've told you this on multiple. Uh, <laughs> If you bring the D90 3.0 diesel here tomorrow, I will buy it. I would also consider putting money down on that. And that even the diesel SUV market is shrinking. I don't know if you guys saw, but Jeep launched a, I forget what they call it. There's a final edition of the Eco Diesel Wrangler they announced this week. <laughs> so edition. it's, yeah, it's got some lineage, some Jeep lineage name, obviously. I um, didn't. I've completely forgotten that they offered the Wrangler with a diesel. Yeah, 50% of it's them. It's the best engine for it. If it works. <laughs> Far out. It's called Far Out. <laughs> Far out. It's the best engine for it because the, the <laughs> Forest is, it sounds weird. The, the six is peaky and gutless. The diesel suits the character of that car. So fast. And probably 95% of people have no problems with them, but the 5% that have problems with them, it's like Our vocal. fatal flaws. Yeah, yeah, very, very vocal. So the but, uh, leaving the uh, high school football game parking lot the other night, I was getting into the Suburban with the three boys and parked next to me was a high tide Jeep Wrangler. Mm. And I just chuckled to myself because we are the farthest possible distance away yeah, from high tide you're <laughs> like, landlocked as landlocked gets there. <laughs> like the river might move a little bit but good okay. lord it is still better than the dragon edition whatever yeah. he's like oh it's still the most racist wrangler I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just so bad that's saying something right yeah right <laughs> maybe we don't need to get into other yeah, versions of wrangler um... jeep owners have they themselves converted to being more racist but <laughs> answer on that one yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> so that, that's kind of Ross's update. Uh -huh. um, have you, I know we talked with Johnny about Escalade V. Did you drive it yet? No, I have it for the weekend of Halloween, but okay. tomorrow 
the uh i have a, a range rover for yeah it is the first edition p530 first edition and that leaves tomorrow and an x3m competition comes in when do you I'm get the lightning very much coming looking forward to uh the 20 second or 26 i don't know it's a different okay. ford manages their own fleet so they just do things their own way it's not like lined up with a handoff with you know the normal guys i work with yeah yeah not your normal fleet management company no so right. that's the one i'm the most curious about and even just ran i they just very... bumped the uh price 10 grand or something like that on the lightning on the, on the base one yeah if, if there was one with a front bench where i could get six in it i'd probably throw a deposit down throw down I, I can't, you can't get one with the bench. They all have center consoles. Hmm. I wonder if that well, has something. That takes you back to, to the Defender. <laughs> yeah, Jerk imagine. I have Chris a is like... much longer commute now. <laughs> Chris is like six foot three teenager yeah. trying to climb into the back of a D90. He's only six one, but yeah. <laughs> oh, only. Still. Yeah, my, my 14 year old <laughs> is taller than Ross already. <laughs> That's not saying much. No, but uh, your normal size where he's now approaching the awkward size. size with me. So, yeah. um, yep. He's, he's approaching uh cannot fit in Miata size. Right. Also to set the record straight, $5,000 jump on the base. Lightning. Oh, okay. Not 10. So still I've been, Derek, I've been browsing every plug-in hybrid I can find basically to see if there's a lateral move that could still have as many seats as the suburban, um, because now that I live in adventure van land, like the ability to uh, use a van for something is much easier for long road trips. And so the daily commuter doesn't need to be the seven seat suburban. Right. But I've already put so many miles on it that the value and what I owe on it no longer are in line. And so uh, raising a monthly payment then to hopefully save on gas, just that's, I'm gonna keep driving the suburban basically. So math. Sucks. I can see you in a Corolla hybrid. I would love it. I mean, <laughs> kids. I mean, I, I the joke last week with Johnny was like, I've been shopping for like thirty five hundred dollar Priuses, and he's like, You don't want that. And I was like, I know I don't want it, but <laughs> oh man, you want to be a you know a New York City taxi, driver. dude. I was just gonna say, buy a retired city car, like a, a New York City taxi. They are God. Those and the um Sorry, I was in a I was in a Camry hybrid oh, last night from Penn Station to Newark. And I don't know when those shocks went, but they have <laughs> not been around for years. Yep. <laughs> those roads are also particularly terrible. Yep. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Now what's the um they have they have the Prius. Some people run the is it a, a Ford, like a mini Ford Transit? The in Transit the Connect? The Transit Connect, yeah. yeah. And, and the then NV200 was. NV200s. Like the official taxi, right? They were. And they were actually reasonably okay, like, you know, spacious and easy to get into and everything. But I just always remember, like, there were a couple rides I had in those where I, I the back of the vehicle didn't feel like it was still connected to the rest of the vehicle going like, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, we're in midtown or something. I'm like, Oh my God, we're going to die. <laughs> you know, not for the normal reasons you would say that. <laughs> Wasn't there a Chevy version too? <laughs> there was a Chevy version. 
Uh, City Express is the Chevy version. (laughs) Real clever with that name. Oh, man. Googling so fast right now. (laughs) You just Google NV200 and it'll still come up probably. It did, but the prices are still ridiculous. Even for the passenger versions. Just get a, uh, get a, uh, what was the, the 2ZZ version of the Matrix? It was the Toyota. Was it XRS? XRS. And there was the XR, which also could potentially have the 2ZZ, but not the S. If you saw S, that was based Toyota. uh, The XR and the XRS had the ability to have the manual in them. Mm, um that's what you need for my commute yeah i can't yeah. tell you how much i want to get into a manual car for my commute yeah get an xrs and then just like you know get a second set of tires and rally cross it bam done D- derek has driven the roads that i would routinely be driving this on and he will know that i do not want that the latest fine public transit transit that they have that that complex web of, of rail and and uh, buses that uh they've invested in so ross the irony here is there that doesn't exist at all so that's why he's oh. saying it oh i kind of figured tell ross what the bus stops are called <laughs> um we haven't told him but i mean please uh so so kansas has more than than a lot of places, I think I think Florida is the only other place I, I know of where you refer to places as counties just instead of just cities. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in Florida, you're like, oh, I'm in Broward or I'm in Dade County. Mm-hmm. So Kansas is the same way, where like on the back of the license plates, you have a little sticker that tells you what county you're in. So like, if you're in Wichita, you're in Sedgwick County, so there's an SG on back. Um, <clears throat> and if you're in Kansas City there's a jo on that for johnson county and so the uh the buses the bus stops have a sign that says the jo stop what it's called the yeah. joe what yeah. the jo stop this is this is so where where chris lives you can also go into price chopper and get a quart of milk that says homo milk on it. I'm sorry. As what? in homogenized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, thank you for clarifying this, because it did not come from gay cows. Well, I mean, it is the middle of the country. So. <laughs> did not come so from gay J-O cows. Homo milk in uh, yeah. in County. So you are welcome, Ross, and I am sorry, Chris. No, you're completely fine. <laughs> now, it, I, you will be... Uh, glad to know that they have renamed it and so um they have now combined so that was that was specifically for like johnson county public transit was the joe but now the entire metro area was like hey we should all work together on this and so now it's all known huh. as as ride kc um oh that's even worse oh, poor, poor KC. <laughs> yeah uh, but he's uh, not wrong. It's still awful, and there is zero rail. Um, the city has one streetcar that drives up and down Maine, and it literally goes from downtown Kansas City to a place that's known as Crown Center, mm-hmm. uh, which is where Union Station is, and it is not, it's like maybe seven miles total. Um, 
But, yeah, for the novelty. Yes, yeah. we offer rides. Come to our city. We have tourist attractions. But like with, um, with so Kansas City is one of those cities that got the World Cup in 2026. Oh, we're which, going on an adventure with Derek. Yeah, we are. For the, yeah, for the yeah, audio listeners. listener, you can't tell that Derek's <laughs> on the move. Um, but so because we got, we were picked as one of the bid cities for the World Cup, which we punched way above our weight for that because they only, I think they selected like 13 cities overall mm-hmm. and Kansas City's like media market, like 35. Like we are not, <laughs> we should not be included in a group of 13 to host the International World Cup, but the city wanted it and all of the money people in town also wanted it. And so um, the rumor going around town is like we had the most comprehensive bid and so they were like we definitely have to go to that town because they had their shit together um which is hilarious because the metro area is two different states multiple different counties mm. multiple different cities oh, um geez. and so they all worked together and did a good job but they're looking for investment dollars coming in so we're actually hoping public transit will get better mm-hmm. because of the world cup uh and the ability. it definitely can't get worse the um Weirdly, I've been sucked, by zero. Yeah, I've been sucked down a rabbit hole lately of, of um, like cycling advocates in town. And so like there are places now that are, you're starting to see more bike lanes pop up and stuff because as cities go, like we are 100 percent a metro area that is dedicated to cars. And it there are sucks. <laughs> and I'm sure, Derek, because you, you're you know more in the industry than we are. But this has been coming up more and more. You know, there are in the states. I mean, how many cities total that aren't like car based? cities or metro areas i mean it's it's a very few right new york yeah i I mean i i the only the only reason i took a taxi yesterday is because it was so late you know there were no Mm -hmm. more trains to to newark but i was yeah just last week i was in i was in montreal um vermont boston and new york and with the exception of of new york because like even Boston is just a hot yeah. It's 50-50. And it, yeah. Um, I mean, when you're in rural Vermont, yeah, you need a car. Yeah. Where in Vermont were you? <laughs> uh I was I was an hour south of uh of Montreal and an hour north of Burlington. So it was in the stick. Okay. Um, I'm going to Google Maps. Place called uh Enosburg. E-N-O-S-B-U-R-G Falls, Vermont. Oh, the people up there are not spelling that right. (laughs) (laughs) I had it as (laughs) E-I-N-S. Oh, yeah, that's that's good enough there. So I was a couple weeks back, I was uh, I was in like Pittsburgh, New Hampshire, which is. Oh, yeah right up there with where you were it's uh yeah it's canada so it's, I'm, I'm assuming the trees were great there oh my god they were spectacular <laughs> they were truly spectacular at time of year exactly because it's barely doing it here so it has Dude. to be that far north it's got to be way more we got leaf peepers in freaking <laughs> like outside the city i live in connecticut and it's like you're driving and you just see people with their windows down looking and they're not looking for mailboxes or like home addresses they're just looking like loftily up you know and you're i'm just like i just i just want to get home please just move you know but it is it's a pretty time of year up there i hear burlington's great too so speaking of pretty times of year and being outdoors 
you got to spend some time with a big red truck. I did get to spend time with a big red truck. <laughs> I got to spend time with the ultimate overlanding vehicle, um, which is uh, what uh, what Overland Expo calls their build. And, um, you know, it started life as a, uh, a GMC uh, 1500 Sierra AT4X. And then uh, they piled on about mm, 60 grand worth of equipment. And um, created this uh, this this beast of a machine. There's a lot going on in this picture. So it, <laughs> for the listeners, it's a. They, I think the AT4X is quad cab only or a crew cab, as you know, speak is now. Um, it's got a a tray in the back with like a half toolbox thing that's roof height going on. Um, I mean, that's Mitt's alloy. That's, is it a mitts alloy? Yeah, it's got mitts alloy oh, on the flaps too. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, there's a lot of listeners who will will know what it is now. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a lot of build. I, my question is, what's happening with the exhaust? Why does so, it look like there's um, titanium like blue flame tips on it from like you know a a, a Lancer from 06? Yeah, it's a it's a Magnaflow <laughs> it's a Magnaflow setup and. <laughs> A lot of the commenters uh, on this article um, snarked about the tailpipes saying, you know, how many times did you scrape the tow hitch and the tailpipes? And uh, the answer is zero. I, uh, <laughs> as you know, you have to be careful when you're going off-roading anyway um, and being, um, being cognizant of all the different things. Um, and that includes uh, the extraneous bits, the dangly bits that uh, you might have put on after the dangly bits. Yes, I like that. You're welcome. So um, it, it's just it, you just you just factor it into your departure angle, and um, mm -hmm. you really just try to position the vehicle so it doesn't uh, it doesn't scrape. Um, mm. It sounds great. Um, it really uncorks the V8. And uh, I didn't have a chance to tow with it, but um, uh, but uh, I, I'm sure that um, I'm sure that it'll tow as well as an AT4X. Uh, although, you know, with all that weight on there, you just have to factor that into the How much weight does that? Is that package over a stock AT4X? I would I would say. I would say it's approximately 2,000 pounds of gear, but you have to remember too that you're taking off the tailgate and some other stuff. So, um, but I would say that it's probably pretty close to the payload of the AT4X, which is 1,460 pounds. Yeah, we, we've got man. we've got Firestone springs in the back, air springs that you can okay. um, adjust with the onboard compressor. So, oh, if nice. you have a lot more weight you can pump up the the springs or you can air them down just like you would tires hmm. but throughout I, I thought the ride was was i thought it was very capable that's pretty cool I, i'm happy that they're doing stuff like this you know because there really is like a trickle down effect i mean we're seeing it with rivian with like you know onboard compressors and things like that just straight from the factory you know yep. and the modularity that's coming up now you know the ability to just like unbolt stuff and bolt stuff on like gmc's showcasing here is like it, it's it's i mean 
at an extreme price, don't get me wrong, but it's opening up like a whole new world of, you know, off-roading and overlanding that, I mean, we only really saw from Australia until exactly. like 10 years ago, you know, and, and now it's just like <laughs> casual, you know, another, it's a, it's a hell of a build, but you know, it's like, it's not the first of anything ever. So well, it's cool to that's see. The, that's the thing about overlanding, right? It's, it's like 2009 Overland Expo, Held their first uh, held their first event in Prescott, Arizona. There were 300 participants that showed up, and it was just a niche thing. Mm-hmm. And if you take a look at it now, now they have like what five events covering the entire the entire nation. You've got Overland Expo West, uh, Pacific Northwest, East, and I think Mountain, Mountain as well. Mountain West, and then isn't there an Iceman version? There could be. Um, I just know that when I went to the inaugural Pacific Northwest event, there were 300 exhibitors. Yeah. <laughs> East, um, East just happened last yeah. weekend and there were 600 vendors. It is crazy. It's the SEMA of the off-road world. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, yeah, take that focused. as you will, listeners. Yeah, I've, right? I've been to two of them in the last calendar year and had an absolute blast of both. So, because everybody there is, they know what they're, they know, yeah. they know that they're going to see what they want to see. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it, that's where it differs from SEMA. Although, yes, you have the same people at SEMA who are there to see what they want to see. Um, but the, the nice thing is about overlanding or Overland Expo for the most part is that there's a different sort of, there's a different sort of buyer. There's a different sort of crowd. Um, and within that you could, you can find, you can find the people that you might want to go off roading with. A hundred percent. That's my, my favorite yeah. part of it is having people walk up and be like, we are completely full, full size pickup slide in camper. This is our train of thought. And then they're like, but now we're looking at this thing over here with an, no bed, an entire box on the back of it. It's a completely different setup than what we were thinking versus the kids that are like, now I've got a motorcycle and I slap a, a pop-up tent to the back of the motorcycle. And that's right. how I go. Like just these, it, it's, it is a very specific show. It, it seems like it's a very niche market, but like there's all of these different versions of it in that. Yeah. You've got the bike from the bike to the earth roamers. Yeah. There's right. such a huge gamut. Dude, I finally got in an Earth Roamer at, at Mountain West. <laughs> and are you laughing because it seems like it's actually worth the uh, worth the money on that? Or it is. Um, I don't know how how to say if things are worth the money when we're over half a million dollars. I I literally I just don't I don't know how to process that. Um, yeah, I guess to those buyers, like you have yeah, that to money the, to spend on one of those things, then it's worth the money. Yeah, because to, that money doesn't make a difference in you know in putting food on the table. And like the amount of solar, the amount of fresh water, the amount of onboard fuel that they have, like all, all of that, it's just not in my use case. Like I, yeah. as much as I in in my mind, like I feel like that's a lot of what overland and like is romanticized, just like. I'm going to tour the world like uh, Richard and Ashley, Desta glory. Like let's get our pickup truck. Let's go to the tip of South America or, Mm. 
wherever they are now. I need to follow back up with them. <laughs> I haven't talked to them in a while. Dan Grack. Just yeah. Like, yeah. I have my vehicle and I'm going to go see things where it's just my schedule is youth sports. And so like seeing an earth roamer with all of that capability and equipment and just stuff, it's, it's way overbuilt for, for what I was doing and for. Yeah. And, and I think that was the conceit of, and that was my takeaway from, from driving this and seeing those things. It's kind of like overlanding. It's, I guess it's like any hobby that kind of evolved, right? Uh, you start with the hardcore people and then it evolves to mainstream and somewhere along the way um, that there is this, this uh, domestication that happens. Yeah. And for me, the best part of overlanding is that you are escaping all the trappings of civilization. You are, you are, you are, you are able to run away from the, the, the societal structure that, uh, that you live in. But when you have earth roamers, when you have these extremely capable vehicles, when you have all this stuff, you're kind of just taking your living room with you and the scenery is different, but where, where is that sense of adventure? Where is the, the sense of you know, roughing it? Um, and, and it's just, for me, I, I could never drive an earth roamer because what's the point? You know, it's, area. A, I mean, it's a motorhome on 33s. <laughs> bigger than 33s. I say they're bigger than 33s. Yeah, they're probably 38s or Motorhome on 37. But, <laughs> I, I but, think they're no, like 40s. <laughs> I a thousand percent agree. I mean, you know, my, I think my, aside from, you know, the technical aspect of off-roading, my actual favorite thing about going into the woods, you know, going into remote places is just the disconnect the you know leaving the cell phone behind not being able to get messages or emails or phone calls or anything or or think about you know like reality or how fucked up the world is and stuff like that and you just get a total mental reset and being out in the world like that still connected you know with like a satellite on top of the roof and everything i mean open to try it I'm trying it if if Earth Rover wants to throw us a truck for a couple of weeks, I mean we're happy to test it. But. I will come to Colorado. But, yes, happily. But you know, I I think um, in God, this is going to be the most profound thing I say on the show, isn't it? Um, in 2022, you know, everybody's so head in their phone, head in their laptop, just nonstop grind, like gotta always be on kind of thing. That the break from reality and the, the like proverbial and literal breath of fresh air is you know is, it's the best thing about wheeling you know you yeah. get out there with your friends and you don't think about the shit you got to think about 24 hours a day otherwise and that that was my other favorite part is that you know we were accompanied by um you know in addition to to the uh to the at4x we also had an 87 montero and an 86 land rover defender 110 um and a and a 2008 fj as well as a a 15 or 16 forerunner um but the montero and the land rover especially uh they just they didn't give a shit they just went everywhere and you could just see the joy that they had in going off road and mm. I, I i don't think that because their cars were less comfortable that they were sacrificing anything on the trip if anything they were having more fun because 
Well, yes, it wasn't my truck, so I wasn't going to, you know, bash the, the, the skid plates. But I also, I also had this sense of self-preservation or preservation for the truck. It's kind of like, here I am driving $150,000 worth of equipment and I don't want to scratch it. And meanwhile, mm -hmm. these guys just, they're, they're just having a blast. And at the end of the day, they get to set up camp and snooze through the night and, and wake up and get to do it all over again. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, there's a freedom in that. Um, as you're going to go get your your breath of fresh air, there's this freedom that you get to also uh, put a few scuffs on your car, and it just adds even more character. Mm -hmm. It looked look like you got some decent scuffs for sure. <laughs> That's desert pinstriping. Come on, it did buffed out. It was fine. It was. It did buff out. Yes. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Overland Expo rep was uh, was was nonplussed. So. Um, dude that's fantastic so if you were to build your own personal off-roader four-wheeler overlander kind of rig i know the answer already <laughs> it's derek <laughs> oh no 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 i, I mean you mean yes, because money's not an option here. So yeah, it's a yes. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. That's what that's that's the takeaway I got from this is like get a a narrow, older, scrappy Japanese vehicle. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, during Top Gear, I got to drive a a, a ninety one Jimny, and I, I it was just such a hoot. Um. So yeah, like why not get a why not get a Trooper or uh, a Montero or, or, you know, if, if you get American, get an XJ, um, yep. um, something that has tons of off the shelf parts and indestructible engines and great off-road prowess and just make it yours. Um, yeah, I would take my all road, but, uh, <laughs> there's a limit to what you can do with, with something like that because the aftermarket isn't there. Hmm. Was the 91 Jimny black? It was like a dark blue and it had like, it, it said intercooled on the side because it had a, a turbocharged intercooled 660C three cylinder. Oh boy, a ripper. I think I, I think I found a shot of Jethro in it. <laughs> was this the episode with the V-Cross? Uh, yes, it was. It was the episode okay. with the V-Cross so, and the H2. I had a V-Cross and I... Like older ish Japanese vehicles that you know you can buy and not care about. Don't buy one of those. That that is not the right car for that. <laughs> Good God. Parts are not easy to come by. Yes, it was uh it was um you know when you go off-road, the, the things that you need to learn are, are patience and uh and pace and um I think I think the H2 attracts a type of driver that that harbors neither, and so. Uh, you mean elegance is not part of the H2's design brief? No, it's <laughs> it's not. It it really isn't. And uh, uh, that uh, that poor H2 sat there for the rest of the day um, until we had a, a chance to get a, a tow truck in there and take it out. Oh. 
how, like did you have to have to call a local like off-road wrecker or did, or did you have we had, lined up? i mean we had we had a full support team um because when you're when you're going off some place like yermo you really need you really need off-road support so um it was just more of a question of we were halfway up that trail where you see that jimney um that's close to where the the h2 kind of bit it um so we we first had to get it out of the the treacherous mountainous part um and then we could take it uh and put it on uh, a flatbed and get it back recovering vehicles off-road is a skill the the word skill doesn't even begin to it's a crest the this it's madness a proper off-road recovery oh no but I, I find the image of where it went all wrong. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna have to zoom a little bit. It's not quite as high res enough. Ciao. As it, the uh, it's cross-eyed. A little bit. Those both front wheels are pointed at each other. Didn't go well. Seen better days. Yeah, it, and it was a it was a, a question of like, uh, can we just like, can we finesse it up this hill? And oh I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a royal we just so we can I can take responsibility off. <laughs> um, but as you can tell, that that H two was not stock no. uh, to begin with, and so it was it was already fragile, and <clears throat> I don't think those tie run ends were. Uh, in good shape to begin with but yeah um hitting that rock and watching them bow in it was exactly how you would expect it that oh, no. machine would go but look the the jimny was was tossed about jethro was not not easy on that car and it just it took everything that we could throw on throw at it so um i have enormous respect for these these smaller japanese off-road vehicles um because they just they just keep going yeah. Did you so I can't remember who, but somebody took a Jimmy across Iceland and it Robbie, you know. That was oh that was Robbie. Yeah. Robbie DeGraff had a he that's what he rented when he was there. And because oh, yeah. like, he's normal size like you back. are, he slept in the back of it. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, but the Jimmy is like becoming the sleeper enthusiast choice. It, you know? sure, it was it the Montero sure. for like two years between you know jeff and lynn and who else bought a montero everyone but everyone yeah, owns like... montero like do you know we for a while we were a mitsubishi podcast for like seven <laughs> weeks in a, a row mitsubishi podcast. Uh, yeah. With, without ross or i owning a mitsubishi because it, it's glucker it was lynn it was the four by four were guys with their delica and their montero oh um, um, it was andy uh andrew collins Andrew Collins and Andy, Andy Lilenthal from Warren. Warren. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it was yeah, that was and we didn't even fun. get into like Aaron. We've never talked to Aaron Robinson and his Montero. Like it was just... yep. yeah, there's there's a lot, and I think that's where you find these darlings. And and I mean, who knew when the GX came to the states in 2004, 2003, 2004, whenever that it would it would be it would attract such a, a, a passionate off-road crowd. Yep. I mean, Lexus was one of the vendors at Overland West or at, 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 at Pacific or, Northwest. Pacific oh, Northwest. they had that uh, LX600 build there, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, oh, but man. still, it's like to to have Lexus show up to to. Uh, hey, you know, I was one of the first people to talk shit about Lexus, but like the V8 that they're still building is arguably the best sounding engine on sale today. It really is. It really is. I still haven't driven an LC500, and it's very, very high. Oh, I it's so good. Neil and I sat in one at the auto show, and we like got in the car together, and we both looked at each other like, oh. And there's a hybrid version, too, so I'm trying to sell that one. <laughs> no, yeah, right. no, 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 no. Stay far, far away from that car. Stay far away from that car. Oh, Derek, you're ruining it for me. How's that? I know. I know. That's why I'm, that's why I'm on the podcast. <laughs> Crushing the hopes and dreams. The, the guest ruins everything. That would be a great name for a show, actually. Well, there's Adam ruins everything. I would say Adam Conover right. has turned that into multiple yeah. TV yeah, series. That's true. It's like a who's line kind of thing. Like the guest yeah. is always the one, you know, cracking everybody up. Um, speaking of crack ups, uh, how's the Cayman? Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so, so I, I think, and and this will take us. This will segue segue in us into the next part. But uh, perfect. You know, uh, for the first half of the year uh, this year, I was shooting a documentary, and I was traveling quite a bit. And so the Cayman, the the GT4 um, was not driven much. Actually, it wasn't driven at all. It was under its cover in my garage, snoozing away, and. Uh, I came home at the uh, end of the shoot and um, got in the GT4 because I was going to take it to Thunder Hill for a track weekend, and it would not start. And and it lives right on a tender. Uh, it was on the battery tender, um, but it, it, it just it, it, it cranked. It just would not start. And um, so I thought, well, that's weird. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's got seventeen thousand miles on it, uh, and it had a, it had, you know, it had gas in there, and I thought, well, maybe it's bad gas, but no, that wasn't it. And so I had it flatbedded to my mechanic, where my all road was already there, and um, they just wanted to be together again. They just wanted to be together, and um, he sends me some pictures, and he's like, he goes, bro. He he prefaces the text with bro. Oh no. Yeah. And it's like a relationship with a mechanic though. It's a great relationship. <laughs> he is fantastic. Um, and uh, he says he doesn't have anything else besides bro. And then he sends me pictures of the engine cover, um, which has a bunch of tracks on it, animal tracks. And then he takes his phone and, and does a video across the engine. Uh, where I am seeing missing wiring and yeah. missing connectors, um, and then later on, uh, missing connectors to the uh, fuel rail. And uh, it turns out that a bunch of rats had uh, camped out in my GT4 and had eaten every uh, edible piece of wiring that they could find. Oh, no. So no wonder it wouldn't start. That'll do so, it. That'll do it. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't steer. It wouldn't do anything. And so uh, this was an engine out job. Oh. Um, and I got a bunch of lovely pictures with the uh, Cayman up in the air and the entire powertrain on the ground. Oh. Um, and he went 
he went over the engine from stem to stern, replaced uh, the engine harness and um, a, a lot of attendant connectors and whatnot, and then put it all back and then uh, he fired it up and uh, still had no power steering. So he took, uh, took apart the front where he found that the power steering lines had been also chewed through. Oh, jeez. That necessitates uh, a body harness, which means taking the entire car apart. Oh, man. I helped do a couple of those when I was working at a Volvo dealership, and there's a process. It's a process. And he he says, bro, I'm not going to take apart the car. I can fix these wiring harnesses and and make them look as good as new, especially because it's localized. And so he, he wrapped it up, and I got the car back. I'd say about a month ago, it was out of commission for the for the entire summer. Oh. Um, and I took it for a rip up uh, Angeles Crest with my friends who had a uh, GT3 touring for the weekend. And um, it acquitted itself perfectly. So the GT4 is back, nice. um, rat free. And there are now uh, electronic rat traps in my garage that will fry a rat when they walk in. And there are some um, some mutated rats running around with power steering fluid in their veins. And I'm hoping so, man. Yeah, <laughs> I've got some rat. In the so, uh, <laughs> the GT4 is back, and um, I am signed up for a track weekend at the beginning of December, and I'm very excited. Nice, nice. Yes. Okay. Well, story came full circle. The it car did. lives. So it now, did. We're, now I want to talk about the documentary, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the documentary. Because when you shared it, I was very excited because I like seeing any of my friends do stuff cool. Uh, but this was amazing. Well, thank you very much. Because I learned a lot. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> I can only imagine. Because <laughs> there's gotta so, be there's still gotta be stuff that you learned that was set aside. Dude, we had so many hours of footage. Um, so How many for, NDAs did you have to sign? Um, <laughs> I'd have to ask my producer. Exactly. She, she she was a rock star. She is a rock star, and she handled everything on very short notice, and she made all of this come together. So back up five seconds, set it up for everybody listening. Name yeah. of the documentary, where to see it, because yep, it's, yep, it's yep. worth everybody putting eyes no, on. No, 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 no. I was I, I was about to get there. So for those who um wonder what the hell i'm talking about um i directed a documentary for uh, motor trend called coding the car c-o-d-i-n-g coding the car and it focuses on the future or the the evolution of software defined vehicles um and what software defined vehicle means is that instead of just having a nav system or instead of just having engine controls there's a central computer or there's a bunch of computers that are linked together and they work in harmony and a software defined vehicle can be reprogrammed. Um, it can be updated over the air. It's, uh, it's kind of like your cell phone uh, on wheels, but it's much more than that because of the myriad safety and security and privacy and, and all, the, all the requirements that you need to have in a car are multiplied exponentially when you add software to the equation because it can't be any less safe. Um, it, it can't be any less secure. In fact, it has to be more secure. Um, 
but the, the, the promise of software defined vehicles is that you can continually update them after they leave the dealership. So you can get new features and, uh, just, just new stuff as, um, other technology comes online, whether it's, uh, smart cities or smart freeways and, um, and going to the different, going to the different, uh, manufacturers such as Mercedes and Stellantis and General Motors and Honda and Toyota, uh, going to NVIDIA, going and interviewing the guy who developed the low voltage architecture for the Tesla Model S. Um, it was so enlightening. It was, it was just, it was mind blowing to see just what has been under development for the past, you know, 10, 15 years and how we're on the cusp of just some tremendously exciting stuff. And so, this documentary came out of it. There's also a companion uh, book that Motor Chen published, also titled Coding the Car. And the uh, the documentary is available on YouTube. Um, you can type in Coding the Car. It's on the Motor Chen YouTube page. And um, you can, uh, if you're going to CES in January, you can also see it uh, presented on the big screen, um, as well as get a peek at the the, the companion book. Yeah, yeah it, I, I think it's going to broaden horizons for a lot of people whose whose scope of what software and and technology and cars, um, you know, is limited to like autonomous cars, you know, or yeah. can I plug my phone in and get CarPlay? Um, yeah. It's it's really it's really going to open people's eyes to like what we're up against and on the verge of. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that does open people's minds because. You know, plugging in your phone. Uh, obviously, Apple wants to take over more of the uh, the software inside the car. Um, but we also, you know, Motorchen partnered with BlackBerry on this because um, a lot of people might not know this, but BlackBerry Q&X software is is behind the scenes of a lot of manufacturers um, in in their in car systems, and it's it's what makes a lot of these connections possible and that that as the core software then can talk to um you know the amazon cloud or it can interface with uh with google stuff it can it can work with the proprietary software that the manufacturers make and qnx is this highly 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 secure version of um software that that started out in you know atms and bank software in the 90s and it, it just evolved um harman bought qnx for a while used it in infotainment systems and then uh harman sold it to blackberry um at the end of the 2000s because blackberry needed a soft, uh, needed an operating system to go beyond what they had so they could compete with the iphone and Part of QNX, of course, was the automotive side, and it was an afterthought. Flash forward to like five years later when BlackBerry phones really didn't catch on, and it was clear that the iPhone and Android were going to be the, the top two. And all of a sudden, BlackBerry realized, oh, hey, we have this automotive side. Um, and wow, it's, uh, it's, it's doing pretty well. And so it, it was a happy accident that QNX became the backbone of BlackBerry, and that QNX Automotive uh, became their 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 reason to to be. Um, 
And, uh, and so that was really enlightening too. I, I, uh, I had no idea how prolific it was. And so, um, uh, all of these, all of these, these, these manufacturers and these suppliers, um, and software companies have, are working together because if you don't work together, you're going to have a lot of siloed systems and machines that don't talk to one another. And I think the next step, you know, everybody talks about, oh, well, cars are autonomous, but yeah, like how, how do you get there? Like, how do you have a Cadillac talk to an Audi? How do you have an Audi talk to a bus? How do you have a bus talk to a stoplight? And that's all, it's all going to need to be standardized and uh, rolled out uh, across, uh, I don't know, our country, uh, city by city, state by state. Um, and there have, there have to be standards that, that are met. And this is going to require car manufacturers to work with one another without sharing their proprietary secrets. And so this is hugely complex and, and there are tremendous challenges and we are just on the cusp of it. I mean, we're not even talking about autonomous stuff. We're talking about cars being able to talk to one another first. Um, and, and this is huge. This is really huge, you guys. And on top of all of that, the complexity of, of major automakers talking and cooperating with one another on one another is, is massive. And then you take the factor of them and that they're going to have to do this with each other and with the government, you know, and I don't think a lot of people have any idea how complex, you know, the automotive side of things is, let alone automotive plus government. And it's going to be a it's going to be a shitstorm for a little while is the reality <laughs> and it's government it's it's government at every level it's it's you know, you've got the federal regulations and requirements which say that the software has to do x y and z and then you've got the state governments that have to work with one another to make sure that they standardize stuff um and then you've got municipalities it's like what if you have a level four level five autonomous car what if you have a level five autonomous car um that requires a 5G connection or it requires a, a smart city and say you want to go out to the country with your car, like what's going to happen when you go beyond the, the reach of cellular data or you go into a town where they're all still driving pickup trucks? Um, or how, even just like, go ahead, sorry. No, I mean, how are these going to coexist? And I think Everybody envisions this utopian future um, where cars are going to drive themselves 24-7. And, and it, as long as we have human-driven cars, that utopia is not going to happen. And so um, it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to flip a switch. You're not going to wake up one day and, and have someone or something drive you to wherever. Um, it's going to be a very, 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 very long transition. Um, and, and I don't know what the tipping point is going to be. It's, it makes me think about, uh, cause like sci-fi, sci there's always some element of truth to sci-fi of where we're going to go in the future, but like so many sci-fi films that have things that are autonomous or modernized or a part of a grid or a system, like the hero ends up being the 20th century gas powered mm -hmm. all manual, like 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see how we adjust. A 1970 Oldsmobile 442. <laughs> you know exactly what movie you're talking about. Well, of course it's Demolition Man. It's two weeks in a row. Demolition Man. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Demolition boy. Man references. I've oh, loved boy. that movie since I was a kid. So. <laughs> you know, Matt Farron did a Demolition Man reference in one of his Instagram posts. And I just, I was like, yes. Oh, I... On recent shows, he's talked about how in his new house he has a demolition man themed restroom. Yes, he does. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like Matt. That I'm Matt's always had a decent sense of humor, but that is great. <laughs> yep, yep. I am. Uh, I, I I love that this is the second week in a row that you've had a demolition man reference. And uh, <laughs> who who is ever on next? If you are listening, uh, please use the three seashell seashells, and I will see you at Taco Bell for dinner. <laughs> Because they won the restaurant wars. Uh, yes. Oh. oh, every restaurant is Taco Bell. Oh my gosh! I don't have that guest schedule. Like, no, I'm looking. At, I'm looking on our calendar. Like, oh man, who's I was like, I've, I've got some in my head. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about weird stuff? So this is, and we'll wrap up the show right after this. I'm, this is a completely random story. My son, he 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 has his name. His, his my oldest son is named Connor, right? He's been uh, officiating football games. He gets paid for those. He got his paycheck today. And in the back of it was another paycheck. Whoa. For the person with the exact same first and last name, completely different address. And I was like, oh. And then I just put that address into Google Maps because I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll take their paycheck to them. I wonder where they are. Six minutes away. Whoa. That is small world, man. All right. That's awesome. We're not done yet. Drive over to the house, ring the doorbell. Guy comes out and I was like, does Connor live here? And he goes, yes. And I go, I'm pretty sure this is his paycheck. Uh, I also have a Connor who got his paycheck. And I think the league just put both of them together, same, same name. I, we didn't do anything else with it. We just opened it. Here it is for you. And he was cool. And I was like, uh, and I was like, what, what's your name? And he goes, well, I'm Chris. <laughs> I was like, shut up. <laughs> so there's a dad and son six minutes away from me. <laughs> That has the identical. And my favorite part is what's he drive a white suburban? No, he doesn't. I, I, to be honest, we didn't get we didn't dig deeper. It was too close. Like it was already like walk outside and get in his truck by accident. That'd be yeah, awful. exactly, exactly. But like our last names are spelled the same way. My name's spelled the same way as his. Our That's sons' weird. names are spelled the same That's way. That's weird. Like, the likelihood of that happening is just you're you're supposed Matt, to walk out and go. There can be only one. Exactly. Like. <laughs> A Highlander, so he drove a Highlander, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, he had a $3,500 Prius. Yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, too good. Anyway, uh, we'll wrap up the show on that weird ass story because that <laughs> it was really weird. It was an interesting night. So, Derek, uh, what would you like to plug? I mean, the documentary, please go view the documentary. Yes, uh, please. You know, I, I have to say that I got a, a Facebook message the other day from a childhood friend who now works at a semiconductor company. And he reached out because he said, we saw we saw the documentary, we loved it. We would like to you know, use some excerpts from it for our own use. But like, I hadn't talked to this guy since like seventh grade, eighth grade. <laughs> oh, wow. And he reached out and he also like, he, he told me, he the, the, there was something we did, uh, some science experiment with gummy bears, I think. And uh, he referenced it. And I hadn't thought about that since, you know, eighth grade. And it's hysterical. But the the people who have reached out, it's like I, I've talked to people I haven't talked to in years who saw the documentary and, and thought, 
you know, thought enough to reach out, which I think is amazing. So um, if you would like to see it, uh, please see Coding the Car uh, on the Motor Trend YouTube channel. And um, anything else to plug? I don't know. Um, I just drove the, uh, the 911 GT3 RS that is on Jalopnik, along with a great technical slideshow. Um, I drove the Audi RS5 uh, Sportback with the competition package. And uh, that is at Car and Driver. So, uh, and then uh, next week I'll be driving the uh, Ram Rebel 2500. Um, oh, uh, I, I don't have any insight on that yet, but uh, feel free to watch the documentary, read some articles. Uh, you can check out the AT4X Overland Journal Ultimate Overlanding Vehicle on the drive. Um, so, there is your reading and watching list for. <laughs> and we didn't even talk about Land Rovers. We did not even talk about Land Rovers. You competed. <laughs> oh, is, yes. We okay. might have we might have to do We're a gonna... combo episode on that because yeah. it was you, Jeff, and Brian on a team. And Brian, no. uh, I was not on their team. Oh, that you was not on their just team. Jeff, Brian, and Tommy, Micah. Um, but uh, if if you if you want to have a a shift talkers esque kind of podcast, <laughs> I will be on that because I will shit talk those guys. Let's do it. Let's yeah. have a throwdown. Yeah, we will have a throwdown. We will have a throwdown, and we will talk about how I kicked Glucker's ass uh, <laughs> running the off-road course. I am uh, hell yeah. Let's sending Jeff a message oh, as we man. speak. Yeah, be like, dude, I hear you got your ass kicked on the off-road course. <laughs> this is going to be good. This will be fun. Stay tuned for, uh, for <laughs> internet wars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Also, Jeff, if you're listening, which you probably aren't, please return my message. <laughs> yeah, return Ross's message, please. It was actually about the Land Rover thing and the the place at which you guys started, which I know an off-road spot about four minutes from. I'll, I'll sneak you some pictures from the event, Ross. Okay, please do. Well, sweet. Uh, awesome. Um, you can rate and review the show, iTunes, wherever you listen to it. It's not iTunes. What is it? Apple Podcasts. I oh, hate not guess. having an iPhone um yes please get an iphone chris continue go ahead for as, sake. as soon as my daughter ages out i will okay good <laughs> ross get ready to have your phone be bricked by a toddler yeah that's it there's a reason i have my, an android with kids mode that i can like lock it in and she can't do anything so um anyway like and subscribe on youtube uh derek is at derek lane powell or derek powell depending on which social media channel you're on Figure it out for yourself. <laughs> Derek Lane Powell on Instagram and yeah. Derek Powell at Twitter. Twitter. Yep. And he's fun to follow either way. Uh, you can follow the Hooniverse on Twitter, the real Hooniverse on Instagram. Uh, Ross is no, not like the one from friends. I'm at Overlanding Dad. You can read what Ross writes on Hooniverse, UTV driver, ATV writer, and everyday driver. And nice. I haven't written anything in like four months. So, yeah. Don't read my writing. <laughs> <laughs> so don't because you can't. <laughs> I mean, you can read old stuff, like, yeah. but not nothing, nothing new. So, oh from, man, <laughs> private sector. Spend a lot of time doing stuff for one company now. Uh, so. Um, that's it. That's our show. Okay. Thank you, Derek. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Happy Halloween, almost. <laughs> uh, I had a great time, you guys. Uh, I, I went to unmute my. Uh my computer and I must shut it down. But uh no.
thanks so much for having me. Uh, it was a blast as always, and I am looking forward to the uh, the future throwdown. That's gonna oh be my gosh! Hell yeah, the gauntlet. I sent him a <laughs> message. We'll see if we can make it happen. Oh man! All right. If Derek, anything, thank we, you. We might not record it. We might just hang out and talk as friends. Yeah, <laughs> but not Drink. like the one from Friends. No, not like the one from Friends. Mm. I still got to change that. No, you yep. don't. We have so many episodes where we say it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, uh, whatever. I'll You're leave. locked into that forever. Yeah. I know. And I, now. I am also locked out of Facebook because I fucked up the two factor authentication process. And now I can't get in there. I'm just I like, oh, oh, I'll just You're check better it. Off. You're better off. I would say I'll check I, it I'm in not seeing the downside. No, yeah. I'll, I'll check it, you know, sometime in 23 or four. <laughs>